Hello, traveler. Please, have a seat while I tell you the tale of the Prismatic Guard. Starring Abby O'Neill as the combustible and often confused tiefling alchemist, Flint Therai. Jason Hops as the old veteran, Robarth Mirax, a dragonborn warlock with a mysterious patron. Jerry Evans as an affable historian, the halfling bard, Roscoe Suitfoot. And Ashley McLean as the carefree but determined Ottervoke Samurai, Margo. Hosted by Eli Royal, join us on a tale of a world still recovering from a great war that changed everything. Hello, you are listening to We Talk About RPGs on the We Play RPGs Network. I'm your host, Eli, joined by... Hi, I'm Abby, (laughs) and uh, I normally play Flint. I am Jason, and I believe since this is just about the Prismatic Guard stuff, I play Rovarth on that particular show. I'm Ashley, and I play uh, Margot Yabat. I couldn't remember her last name for a second. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) You got there eventually. Yep. Um, So this is our kind of chat episode, where it's a little bonus episode we just recorded the 100th episode of the show. Yes. Um, first off, I mean, Abby, Jason, you guys, episode one have been here, but Ashley, you've been uh, a part of the Prismatic Guard show since like episode eight. Was that early? Um, yeah. Yeah, it was real early. Wow. Um, more um, like episode like, it wasn't quite eight. I want to say it was closer to like, 15, but you've been here a long time. No, no, it was long before 15. Yeah, it was pretty Latest, early. it was nine. Oh, okay. Cool. Okay. I've been here a while, yeah. though. Yay! You've been here so long, you've come so far. <laughs> yes. So, my uh, first question, thereabouts of 100 episodes, how's everybody feeling? I love it. It has given I'm... me an unrealistic expectation <laughs> of all games. <laughs> that's that's a good problem to have. I love it. Love it so much. Honestly, I'm it's one of those things where it doesn't quite feel real yet that we've been doing this game so long. Like I've loved it every step of the way, but like this is quite literally the longest campaign I've ever been a part of. It it's a little bit intense. Yeah, same for me that this is the longest. I mean, I think the longest game that I participated in prior to this, that was D&D, was six months. Um, and that, that was weekly, uh, once a week for six months. That was that was crazy. Uh, but this, I mean, the amount of stuff we've done, I mean, really hasn't hit me um, just how long it really has been yet. Um, yeah. yeah, that's my opinion on it. I'm excited to see what we do in the future. I I think if you add up playing playable hours, I guess is what the phrase would be. If you added that up, I've probably been in a few games that were this long cuz I mean I think the longest game I'd ever been a part of was maybe a year. Um but we played weekly for like 4 to 7 hours. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Yeah, this was back when I was like 
uh, let's see, 17, I had just dropped out of high school, and I was working for my dad. So, I had a lot of free time. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, Ashley brought up that this created this unrealistic expectation for what a D&D game should be like. We mentioned on the website and as part of the show that this is the Prismatic Guard was Ashley's very first time playing any tabletop role-playing game. Mm -hmm. And I think I've said on the podcast before, if I haven't, uh, I'll say it now. I've been playing tabletop RPGs since I was like nine or ten. So I've been playing for 20-odd years now. Like, two-thirds of my life I have been playing tabletop role-playing games. Um, Abby, when did, when did you start playing? I started playing, like, it'd be about five years now. So I started playing when I was 20, and you actually uh, got me into it. You saw me wearing a, a Shield Maiden shirt. I still have the shirt somewhere. It's just I can't wear it because it's full of holes. But uh, you saw it because I wore it under my uh, chef's coat one day. And as I was getting up, you're like, oh, hey, do you play RPGs? I'm like, no, but I would like to. And you were like, come to on Tuesdays. I'm like, uh, I don't have those days off. Make time. And I've been playing ever since. What about you, Jason? Um, Me, I was introduced to it, uh, I would say, uh, a year after high school. So when I was like 19. So yeah, about the same time range probably about four years ago and the first real games again were at the uh, at the shop so yeah I I remember with Abby it was because Abby and I worked at the same chain restaurant she worked back of house I worked front of house and my my memory of it is mostly just Abby doesn't talk enough. At the time I was getting out of high school in that period of my life, it was, uh, I had a lot of anxiety and part of that was because I was, uh, I don't know, I was just highly nervous because that was like my first real-time job and I just, uh, I don't know, I was just not, I didn't have a lot of friends. I really didn't. I don't think I had any at that point, which is sad now I think about it. I think, I think for me it might have been because I had come back to... Uh, oh no! I said the name oh, of the no, thing. I'll bleep it out. We can edit it out. Yeah, we'll we'll put a bleep. I had come back to chain restaurant, uh, Opal Wednesdays, and the friends that I had there that played role playing games had left mm. uh, about the same time that I did. So I came back, and I didn't have anyone to talk to. <laughs> There was, like, one dude who liked comic books and Marvel movies, but he was a creep, so I didn't really like talking to him too terribly much. So I was like, oh, Abby's wearing a Shield Maiden shirt. I'm gonna make Abby play (laughs) D&D. Well, I think my first real game was actually with you, Eli. I think it was that Supers game in Savage Worlds, if I remember correctly. I mean, there was briefly with Eric, but that was that was like at the tail end of that. Yeah, you joined in like not long before we were to fight the final boss. I remember your character. Yeah, Benito was cool. I might play him again sometime on this network just to really flesh him out. But 
Yeah, I, yeah, I, I remember that. That was like, because I remember saying like, I've got room for, I can do eight. You know, superhero teams are usually six to eight. I can do eight. That is tops. And uh, there were a few people who were like, I don't really know if I want to play superheroes. And you were like, yeah, I'll do it. Sure. I was like, ah, it's a game. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and Abby, your character we're going to see again. Because, I mean, at the 100th episode, I don't mind spoiling some stuff. The next show we're going to do on uh, this feed is a teenage superhero game. Yeah, my... My character for that is not coming back because I have evolved in what what I feel like my hero should be, and he is not it. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Lumen was um hmm, intense. He was he was a problem at times, but he anyway. Was, he was a mess. I think Lumen was a good example of um I've seen it referred to as first character syndrome. Yeah. When you haven't quite learned that you can tell a very dramatic story without having a super dramatic past. And actually, I, I do want to know, like you, this was your very first game and an actual play show is different from a home game in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. What were your expectations? I didn't have Coming any. into the show. You didn't have any at all? I didn't have any at all. I'd never played, like, so I just came in without expectations, if that makes any sense, just because I, the only thing I had done was I had listened, I was listening to the podcast as it came out, and I was listening to, I think, one other actual play, but it was like a, like, I think it was one of those adventures that wasn't, like, long. So that was really the only experience I had. So I didn't really know what to expect from both of those, since they were two totally different games. Right. Well, what about Jason and Abby when we... Because we did have a discussion about, you know, what kind of story we were going to play. I talked about how, by the nature of doing a show, it wasn't going to be fully improv. There were, you know, there were going to be not less railroad and more like cable car. You know, you guys could hop off every now and then, but you got to get back on eventually. Um, But what, what expectations did you guys have? Honestly, I was a little relieved to get to a campaign where, uh, where uh, everything didn't get sidetracked every five seconds. Honestly, I was just really excited to play in a game that was less than nine people. Like, uh, I was the average size of the Tuesday group, and I was just, I was honestly thinking about quitting the group at the time because, you know, I was just starting school, and then uh, I just realized I didn't really like some of the people that were there, and I was, when you offered, I was like, you know what, yeah, I would like to play in a campaign like this because that sounds fun. I would want to follow a story. I'm okay with, like, jumping off the car sometimes and doing our own stuff, but at the end of the day, it's like, I do want to get to the story. I want to know what happens. So, uh, honestly, I did come in with a lot of expectations. If anything, I was relieved to to join, honestly, a little bit. I was a little ambivalent at first just because, uh, you know, the idea of being a real play 
uh, RPG podcast is you kind of there's bits of yourselves in every t- character you tell every character you play and there's sort of this this aspect of oh this is this is real now I can't just pretend that this didn't happen um but I if Rovarth ends up being a monster I can't just be like no no that character never existed yeah I can't just ignore it <laughs> um but I did really uh enjoy the structured element of it um and like Abby said having it be being cut down to only being I mean, we started with four people, and we kind of tried to keep that, which in my opinion is a perfect size, is having uh, a party of four. Um, that's really what it's balanced for, um, but it makes it really... You don't have to worry about being talked over, which I think I like, is, is that we can actually focus on what our characters are doing and focus towards the story and what our goals are, which I, I appreciate that a great deal. And uh, we actually had discussions about briefly because of spoilers that I for me so that way I wouldn't know what was going on uh, but we did have a discussion about where Rovarth was going to go at some point and I'm uh, I'm just, I'm really excited to see where that goes as we begin to head into the final couple of arcs of the uh, series yeah that is true honestly there's probably only geez maybe 10 10 to 15 episodes left um, for Prismatic Guard. I, I mean, we're really... The adventure you guys have just started is the penultimate adventure. But my baby... <laughs> oh. Don't worry, your baby is going to graduate and become this really awesome character in the world. Yeah. It's the best Unacceptable. part. Uh, I don't get to play my baby anymore, though. There is one thing I can definitely say, and I think Jason and Abby will agree, is that... For this show, you know, when when we revisit Ildar again, uh, because we definitely will, no, you won't be able to play Margot. But if we do a different fantasy, like if Jason is like, hey, I want to run a, a fantasy D&D game in my own world. Which I'm down for. You can still play Margot. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not the same. I've played seven different versions of my himbo Fletcher. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like, uh, honestly, that's a, like, uh, you said, like, 15 to 20 episodes. I- I'm just, like, really, like, oh, wow, it's almost ending. Like, uh, going back to the large group size, like Jason said, it's nice to not be talked over. It's nice to, like, actually do things with our characters. Like I said, I was kind of relieved to join this, and that this is partially why is for like the first time ever, I feel like I'm actually attached to this character. Like I would genuinely cry if Flint died right now. And it is like for context uh, for listeners, the game that I the the group that I introduced Abby to that I met Jason through was at our local gaming shop, and what happens in a lot of cases there especially in the area we live in, there's just not a lot of opportunities to have a home game. So a lot of games end up having like nine people, which is too many. Oh God, there was like 14 when we left. I have played only one time and it was on your brother's podcast to do like a Christmas episode. And I don't know how many people were in there, but I went once. And 
I couldn't say anything because everyone was talking at the same time. And I actually didn't know what the hell was going on either because so many people were talking. And I was just like, wow, this is not fun. So I I cannot imagine. And I've also played in another game that your brother runs, like a different one that also had a lot of players. And that one was just for fun. But it was kind of a similar situation where I went twice. And you can't really get connected to your character if you're not able to role play and you're not able to go very often when you're mm-hmm. playing. It just doesn't lend that opportunity and if you have like stronger personalities that push through those people tend to have a little more opportunity to actually play because they're a stronger force so you can just say my name you know not you Uh. not just you bitch there was other people and that's and that's one of the things (laughs) if you have a group that size you have to be considerate of the newer players and the people that are not as what's the word experienced Um, well that but there's also a certain amount of extroversion well loud is a good word yeah you have to take a seat back and let other people do their thing every once in a while oh god like uh, eli you weren't honestly in most of the games i've played with you weren't like the most in your face i just kind of was zoning out a lot during um the games ashley was talking about with uh, hunter because uh, there was just so many people i just unfortunately zoned but with the Tuesday group, like some of the latter people, there were, I was just sat next to one of the newer players who just would not learn. And it's it's one of those things too, when you're running those because I did run a couple. Um, it's very difficult to juggle through each, and I I tried my best in those to try and juggle through, uh, to try and keep everybody, um, you know, Engaged. in the moment. But it's difficult to do that. It to be fair. Yeah, my attempts with that, I think most in that about um, the superhero game that I ran uh, using the Savage World superpower companion. In that, like Abby, with you being like, "All right, you can either tell me what your character is doing, or I can tell you what your character is doing." And if I have to say what your character is doing, you might not like it. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I do appreciate that you told me that because, uh, you know, like I said, the group was so big, I just zoned out and did not just like, oh, yeah, I, I do this. Like, no, you got to be more general. So I appreciate that you did that. Mm-hmm. And and even in the games that we've played together, the home games we've played in together, I spent a lot of me being loud was just we have to move the story forward. We're doing nothing, and it's not fun. <laughs> it's one of those things I've unfortunately gotten really used to the podcast and doing things that uh, I genuinely don't think I can go back to such a large group like that because between everyone just talking over me and uh, everyone wanting to do their own thing and be the hero of the story, and it's all about them. I just don't think I can do it anymore. It is hard main character syndrome is a real thing and it's fucking hard to get over i spent a lot of time playing tabletop games where i had that problem it's it's a real thing and it's rough and that was yeah i i definitely had that a lot um when we did that i think even doing this podcast i had that a little bit with robarth at the beginning but i do think that we really st- Personally, I feel like I started to grow out of that when we did 
Uh, again, things that the listeners don't know about. But when we did uh, the Star Wars thing and I played a, a very strong, silent type, just single-minded character that was dedicated to the party and their goals and desires. The Star Wars game was a fun one because my it's a really good example there because my character ended up driving the story a lot, but it wasn't because I was like, oh, I want this to be my story. It was because I was like, all right, well, nobody else is really making any suggestions and I want to learn about this space wizard shit. And it eventually evolved into two-thirds of the party were Jedi. Yeah, that was nuts. I walked into that game not knowing what to expect, honestly, because I had never played a Star Wars game before. Then uh, my character at the time was uh, Zabrak and Voxy. Uh, I-, I walked into that game not expecting to get attached to my character at all, because uh, most of the characters I made when I was in the... I didn't really get attached to them. Like Occasionally I would get like super attached to a character but most of the time I did it'd be like oh hey they died oh that sucks time for a new one legitimately the only other character that I've been as attached to as I am to Rovarth was Kor from that game Kor was awesome because he he was for everybody I started off attached to my character because we started playing that at the time that I was beginning to refine my uh, lightsaber builds, I really wanted to do a Star Wars cosplay and have a lightsaber and be a space wizard, but I've always disliked the Jedi as a concept. You know, these warrior monks that are super politically involved have always been a very weird concept to me. So getting to play... And my character, like a huge motivation for a lot of what I did in that character is that I wanted to say, my name is Jock Telberic, Jedi Knight and Servant of the Living Force, as much as possible. (laughs) (laughs) That checks out. I would not mind going back to that that character, but at the same time, it's just, uh, I have so many character ideas, I'm like, nah, I want to play this character now. I could play Joktal Burek forever. Like, there are these characters you get really attached to. And for me, the characters I always get really attached to are the ones that just get to have super awesome moments. You know, the story doesn't need to be about them. I just want to do cool shit sometimes. Like, like saying... I'm Jock Talburic, Jedi Knight, you know, Servant of the Living Force, all that stuff. Like, that's just a cool moment. We had a moment, we, we had a scene in that game where we were fighting Dark Force users. Not Sith, but Dark Force users. And I didn't have my lightsaber, so I disarmed the uh, Dark Jedi, I guess, that we were fighting and I picked up his lightsaber and in that action purified the dark side out of the kyber crystal. I remember that was so fucking dope. Well, and that was the character. The whole point of the character, like what I loved about Yoda as a kid was the mystic side of what Yoda was. So I wanted to play a character who was really into the mysticism 
in the Star Wars universe. Jock having those cool moments and being the kind of character that adds that that just kind of can create cool moments is why I could pretty much play that character forever. And in Stumpwater Tales on uh, Hunter's Asundered World Patreon, um, you know, the, the exclusive podcast, that's part of what makes Emmett really fun for me to play. That game, Hunter's Running for Us, is really fun. Emmett's really cool. Ashley, I think the reason, if I could hazard a guess, I think the reason that you've been attached to pretty much every single character you've played so far is because because I've helped you make every single character. Yeah. And my suggestion was always, listen, the easiest character to roleplay first is you. Yeah. You know, just build them as a very, what is the word? A very hyper version, an, an, an enhanced version well, you of wish who you, could you be. are. Play yeah, the that's a, a great way to start off with is, you know, <clears throat> you know, uh, with Margot, what we had talked about was that the party, for party cohesion... And I don't think I would do this in the future. When we started this, I said, hey, we have to have a healer. We have to have this. We have to have this. We have to have this. And I don't think going forward, I would do that. I I think going forward, I would be much more inclined to tailor every single encounter and adventure around specifically the kind of characters you guys wanted to play, as opposed to you guys creating characters you wanted to play around what I said we needed. Honestly, I would love to play another alchemist, but uh, this time as a mechanist instead of an artificer. Because I'm kind of curious, I, I kind of want to explore that side of uh, that particular um, subclass of the alchemist. I play tested the mechanist in a home game Jason was running. Mm-hmm. And it is really fucking fun. It is, it's actually, I think, a little bit more to keep track of. Like, it's a little bit more difficult to play a mechanist than an artificer, I think. Because I have played both versions, uh, both as Mad Jack Doe, the insane uh, gnome artificer. And the mechanist is... What makes the mechanist fun is I have this robot animal and they're my friend. <laughs> I really want to take a crack at the um I forget the name of the subclass, but the uh the barbarian one you made. Oh, the Path of the Dragon Soul. Yeah, I really want to take a whack at that. Cuz like those are the two classes that I bounce back and forth of my favorite of the most me. Uh, is the Barbarian and the Paladin. I bounce back mm-hmm. and forth between those two. I mean, I yeah, planned the, the for... The uh... Dragon Soul Barbarian is some dope shit. Ironically, I've never played a Barbarian before, but I think I'd really enjoy it. <laughs> I think you would love it. <laughs> Honestly, a, a Barbarian sounds fun. You just go in there and wreck shit. It's, it's the dream. I mean, Emmett in Hunter's Patreon game is a Barbarian multiclass, and it's pretty great. You have, like, um, the most par- powerful character out of all of us, because you just, you build characters like this for fun, just so you can break <laughs> break the game. Well, and that that kind of feeds in with what I was talking about with Ashley, you know. Um, Ashley, do you, 
to we got way off track from what I was originally saying, but do you think that playing this uh, enhanced version of yourself is what makes you so attached to these characters? Yeah, I think so. I also like to leave the backstory open just a little bit. Like Margot's backstory was purposely open. So that way Eli could use that and uh, like tell a better story, if that makes sense. We had like some of the baseline stuff, like Margot wasn't, Margot was going to have this teacher and that was basically going to be, um, you know, her, her like father figure. And we had figured out like how he was going to uh, adopt her and everything basically. And that was where that was left. And I liked that because it made for that one adventure of going to Gnome's Landing a little more meaningful because then it was like, well, fuck, you just hurt my feelings. He's gone. (laughs) Um, I, well, and I think, too, part of it was that, because we did that with Jane and Hunter, we bring up Hunter's Patreon a lot, Asundered World, just search that on Patreon. Um, and I think with both of them, too, you were like, I just don't really know what to do. And I'm like, then don't. It's not important right now. The question is, why are you adventuring? And if you know that, you can come up with everything else as you go. Yeah. yeah, and both of them were, like, looking for adventure and excited to try, like, kind of, like, go around and, and see what was going on with Margot. She wanted to steal stuff. So, I mean, that was kind of her her go-to. Um, uh, but Murder baby. Yeah. And I, I love playing chaotic characters because I don't get to be, like, I would love to be more chaotic in my regular life, but I'm absolutely not. Um so it's nice to be able to be chaotic and also be because in all the games we've played, we have destabilized certain areas and <laughs> made it to be more like what we wish our world could be because we're all in America and it's kind of a shit show most of the time. So it's it was it's been fun to like create these like areas where it's like man that's awesome I wish we were set yeah. up that way. Um, is the epitome of that. Just to briefly interrupt <laughs> you. Oh my god, you're right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. <laughs> I think Rawl is the one exception um, because Rawl, like, and and it's so funny because we did we did not create Rawl's adventures because listeners were like, oh, Rawl's so funny. We created Rawl's Adventures because all of us said, Rawl is amazing. God, I love him. I went, yep, we're going we're gonna to take this. We're going to do some slight social justice stuff here and there and then just see where this goes. And it just led into a rabbit hole after a rabbit hole after a rabbit hole. How that idea came up was me and Eli were talking one night. I will never forget this because it was so funny. Eli was talking about how much he wanted to play just a dumb character that was just strong and somehow we got on the topic of Rawl and just talking about how ridiculous he was and then Eli was like oh my god what if we and I I remember saying man it'd be really fun to make a game around like Rawl just Rawl by himself and Eli was like oh my god we could do that and I could play my dumb character (laughs) it's like Okay, and then Eli ran with it and made Doc. Like, and then his direwolf, David. Uh, <laughs> and it was just because we we freaking loved that character so much because he was, like, as far as Raw goes, he was so funny. And we knew that bringing up the idea to anyone else 
like the group, they would find it amazing because each and every one of us loved that character. It's why he randomly shows up in adventures sometimes. <laughs> yeah, status updates from the Rawls podcast every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. Well, and to get back on, oh, we don't really have much of a track. Um, But the reason I brought that up was because I was going to ask, you know, like I said, for me, the characters that I can just have really fun moments with, either super fun moments, um, like with Doc, or just super, ep- like, really, um, you know, Abby calls my character Emmett a goddamn anime character all the time. Because yeah. he is. <laughs> for anyone who doesn't listen to that... I describe some of the things Emmett does as very anime-esque, such as when he rages, he wears full plate mail, and when he rages, lilac steam rises up out from the cracks of his armor and forms this wispy bear's head around his head. Yep. Goddamn anime Um, character. Yeah. But on Um, top of that, like, it's uh, not just how you describe it, but like the sailor moon moment where it's like by the power of the moon go fuck yourself and in general he's just a he's a disney princess wrapped in with in with an anime character and i don't know how to process it so it just makes me angry yeah well and to to talk about having really cool moments in the adventure we're currently recording um, and I have no idea if this is going to be a spoiler or not. So, spoiler alert, I guess. Um, we knew... We had a safe harbor, as it were, where we were. And we knew that some big fey lord kind of thing was hunting a child. And I was like, I'm going to confront this guy. I'm going to have this moment. It's stupid, and it's reckless, but it's... It's A, it's something my character would do. B, I don't think that it would disrupt things too badly. And C, it'll be really cool. I don't even know what this so is. So I from. did it. Um, do you not remember that, Ashley? No, I don't. <laughs> I rode my dire goat, Winston, out in front of it, put the child on the goat, and, uh, used my um, channel divinity to try and scare the fey lord away, which obviously didn't work. But I called out that I was Emmett Preston, paladin of mercy, chosen of Dewaman, and he would not harm that child. Oh, yeah. Fucking metal as hell. That's really the only attachment I form with characters is like, how many weird insane moments can I get out of this character? And I was wondering with Abby and Jason, what what do you think makes you attached to a character? It's a couple of things. I I like playing characters that support the group and and want to see them succeed. Like for instance, for Ro- with Robarth. He was supposed to be the angry grandpa who's crotchety and annoyed at these young adventurers bothering him and doing stupid stuff and getting into all these dangerous situations. And then that 
evolved from that very quickly, very early on, uh, into this idea of just the instead of the grumpy granddad, just the grumpy dad who's like, "All right, if we're gonna do this, this is how we're gonna do it." <laughs> Um, Fine, we'll go to Disneyland, but we're all gonna wear sunscreen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so it's 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 that idea, and I like. There's a word for it. Um, the the idea of being able to be more than I really am. Like my favorite characters are either very single-minded characters that are very easy to role play, like Core. Um, or characters that are just like, I don't, I don't care how powerful you are. It, it doesn't really matter if I win or if I lose, but I gotta try. Because if I don't try, you're just gonna ruin everything, and I can't allow that. Like those are my favorite characters, or those that are like, yeah, this is hopeless, but I'm gonna do it anyway because this is what I need to do. It's the that's what heroes do moment. So yeah, somebody's gotta do it. So I guess it'll be me. Yeah. Like that's that's what I really enjoy, and that's what I've learned as part of doing uh, this podcast and uh, a couple of the more major games that I've played in. Honestly, I like playing characters where um, uh, that kind of get attached to the rest of the group. Like, um, like uh, one of my characters from a uh, the game I played before I joined this one was uh, Brago Yan. Um, he was supposed to be a warlock, but I turned him into a rogue because we had way too many magic users in the party. Like, I played that character for maybe, like, six sessions before uh, he unfortunately got vaporized, and I'm still attached to him, mainly because, like, uh, our friend Amanda, she was the sound engineer for about 30 episodes when we started this podcast, and uh, Eli, we kind of made it so our characters were friends, and uh, so I got really attached to that character, and then I got, I'm super attached to Flint mainly because uh, I, we were able to, we were able to make our characters friends. We were actually f- able to form attachments. There's, like, we can definitely say Flint and Marga are basically like, um, are basically married except without the whole marriage and uh, that no, romantic relationship thing. I think yeah. Flint and Margot have a romantic relationship. They just don't have a sexual relationship. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. I was like, wait a second. Uh, um, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I was, uh, I was trying to, like, I don't know. For some reason, romance and sex are like intertwined in my head, and it's super really fucking fucked, hard and I'm to, unlearn to it. break that. Yeah, no, that that is its whole like. I could talk for forty five minutes just about how hard it is to separate that concept in the head because yeah. of everything about our society yeah it's true and my hope is that in 400 years when a copy of this podcast is found in the wasteland people will have no fucking clue what we're talking about (laughs) but uh like i liked where i'm able to form have my character form attachments like yeah my character can do whatever i can make a whole story about my character in my head and be interested, but like, what really makes me attached to them is able is for me to be able to uh, get attached to other characters via that character. Like, I like characters that form attachments. Mm-hmm. But it's a natural attachment. It's not one of those things that's forced. It just kind of happens over time for their character interactions. Yeah, we're not just forced together in a group and forced to go on this great epic adventure to slay to like stop the storm giants or defeat the. The crazy evil mage has been alive for a thousand years. 
Mm. We're we're honestly friends. We're connected. We're family. That's what mm. I like. Yeah. I was, as you were talking about that, I was reminded of um, a character that I played in the t- in our old home games that I think by most people's standards, it is not an epic moment, but for me it is. And that was um, Stormclaw, which a very different version of Stormclaw has appeared in the podcast. Um. But when I play Stormclaw as a character, he's this very calm, even-tempered, good-aligned character. And I remember getting into, um, with some of the players, in-character arguments and with other players, out-of-character arguments, because Stormclaw... Uh, he usually went first, and he always tried to persuade the enemy to surrender. That was his first round of combat, was trying to convince the enemy that they will die if they fight us, and I don't want to kill them. Yeah, Stormclaw, Stormclaw was cool. I, I do remember that. Yeah, because yeah, I think actually... I think it was John... Uh, our friend John, his character and I, and Stormclaw, I don't remember what his character was, but they got into a brief argument and Stormclaw was like, listen, I am not going to stop you guys from ambushing them. I don't have the power to stop you guys from ambushing them, but I'm not going to do that. That goes against everything I believe in. I don't just attack people. I will attack in self-defense, but I'm not just going to kill people. And I remember John's character being like, you know what? I think it's stupid, but I respect it. I I can respect that this is something you're not going to budge on. And then another, it was a player character who, I think they were really new because they were having a hard time. I think a lot of people, when they play D&D, get really into the murder hobo part of it. Yeah. Yeah. The the game aspect as opposed to the role-playing aspect, which I don't think there's really anything wrong with that, but I do think that there are better games to play than Dungeons & Dragons if that's what you want. Like, honestly, if you want to go Martyr Hobo that bad, uh, you might as well. Like, uh, for me, if I ever have that urge, I just go to... I just go on a video game where I'm fighting, like, sent- where I'm fighting zombies. Or just play Skyrim. Yeah, just play Skyrim. Well, and a lot of it, too, is, is how you establish it when you start. And I think what we had established with, with that game, because I was, again, I think that was the first one that I was a part of, if I remember correctly. But there was this idea of, hey, we're, we're you know, we're people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and obviously in a production show like what we do, Session Zeros are a must. Mm-hmm. Um. But in my experience, they're pretty like they're a pretty new thing for me personally. Um, I know Ashley has never played a game that didn't have a session zero. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I feel like a session zero, like I've heard about I've heard about people like just playing and I'm like, how could you not have a session zero? Like there's so many important things that, to discuss, like if people are uncomfortable with certain subjects, if oh, there yeah. are certain things you don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole because it's just not appropriate for your podcast um, 
or your game, um, even if it's not on a podcast. Uh, yeah. Like, it just, it feels so important. Session zero. Uh, yes. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I was good. just going to say, it's it's super important. It's, it's necessary if you're going to be doing any sort of actual play stream or podcast or anything like that. But for a home game, it's necessary because you need to know, and sometimes people aren't going to know that they can't handle or that they don't want to handle something until it shows up. But, like, you need to know, hey, how dark do we want this story to get? Or, like, if I were running it saying, like, I want to run a super dark, gritty, horrible world. You know, that, like, that's this grimy, sepia-toned world. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if I say, well, that's the game I want to run then that gives Ashley the chance to be like, I don't want to fucking play in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, sometimes it's not even like, you know, stuff like that. It's just like, uh, with me personally, this happened in a, in a group, in a different group I was in. Uh, I kind of realized like halfway through like the second session that I really did not like uh, certain jokes being made and there were like half the jokes going on. So I kind of went like, list. can we... Can we not? I'm very uncomfortable right now. Yeah, it's it's very important to have a session zero, in my opinion, regardless of whether or not you're doing a controlled environment like this, for two reasons. One, the reasons has already been brought up both by Abby and by uh, Eli, the idea of setting boundaries and managing what is acceptable at the table and what is not acceptable at the table. But also, um, and again, one of the first games I played was our, was a superhero game that Eli ran, where there was a lot of setup as to who we are, what are we doing, and managing expectations of the type of game it's going to be, as well as informing the players about what it is the game is about and what they're going to be doing and interacting with. Uh, so that's why, in my opinion, session zeros are very important. Yeah, that that is another part. And that was kind of... Um, that That is a good extenuation, I guess of what I was saying, where it's like agreeing on tone. You know, what kind of game do you want to play? Um, what kind of characters are... Because, like, if everybody else is doing some, like, ha-ha, I'm Flapjack, and I sail the seven seas, and you're like, I am Bloodborne, and I will have the heart of the man who murdered my fathers. It's like, okay, that's not... We're kind of playing two different games here. Yeah, that's uh that's the group I was in. I unfortunately though, we we didn't really have a session zero, so I didn't realize that uh everyone was playing like knockoff Disney characters until like three sessions in, then I felt uh conflicted whether or not I wanted to leave at that point. Then they um it no one was listening to me when I brought up suggestions, so I after that I was like, No, you know what, I'm done. Yeah. I, I can't And do that this. happens too. I've had a few um a few games that I was like I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Um, and I and I respect that because there, there. I think one of those was where you were playing Mad Jack, and I, I respected that decision. And I think with that, it was just because I was like, "What are we doing?" Yeah, like I could tell that there was something you wanted to do. I but was it didn't trying feel like to anybody else things. wanted yeah. to. So I was like, "I don't like i I don't really like sandbox worlds." 
I don't like being a first level character and like, oh, exploring this mountain sounds cool. And like, okay, well, that mountain is where all the Balrog live. Well, just tell me that and I won't go there. <laughs> yeah, there's very much this idea. Uh, if I were to do that again, uh, I would definitely be a lot more like, look, and again, this is session zeros because I don't think I did one for that. Would be this is what my intent is. Like I'm gonna try and, and steering people more along in the direction, which I think I'm doing uh, a lot better. And uh, this time around, am I going back to that world? Different, you know, spot in time, different story, but doing better at steering people along where they need to be going instead of just being like, ah, I don't know. Here you go. The thing that I've seen is that as a uh listening to somebody else talk about it is that give your players three options and just roll with whichever one they pick. Um, Cause like that's a, if you want to run a very free form kind of game, that's a good way to do it is just have a couple of static options that they can choose from no matter which one they choose. Um, or, Honestly, something I've done with Prismatic Guard and a lot of my games is this destination is where you guys are going to go. How you get there is up to you. You're going to get there. Yeah, and uh, honestly, I appreciate you kind of... Uh, like, sometimes when I have too many options, I uh, I freeze, and it's not good. So uh, I kind of appreciate that you do that. Because uh, when I started this game, I don't, I wasn't really a strong role player because my uh, introduction to RPGs was, uh, here's a group of 11 people. Try to talk loud. Now it's like, uh, okay, you have these choices. What do you want to do? I'm like, this one. I appreciate that. Some of these questions we got are more questions for me. Um... Like one we got from John, uh, will the College of Verse ever try to bring more gods or fantastical beasts into existence? And that was something that I hadn't ever thought about. Um, as far as there being more gods, I can guarantee you there will be more gods as we explore the world of Ildar more. Um, and more fantastical beasts. But a bit of lore that John had picked up on that I clearly missed was that if the College of Verse bards are learning the words of creation, then logically they should be able to create things. That's and pretty dope. I was like, okay, yeah, <laughs> probably. <I don't... laughs> the, the answer to that question is they will now. <laughs> <laughs> Delightful. Um, and another one that was asked is, are there any organized sports in Ildar? And that was asked by one of our patrons, Rose. And I have never once given this a thought. I think it's a good question. It's an interesting question. But I have never once thought about this. I'm sure there's like wrestling and and, and some form of like gladiatorial combat. And I know there has to be some kind of organized sports. I want there to be, like, um, a fantasy version of rugby. That would be awesome. <laughs> well, and there probably is, right? I mean, like, uh, Thar is basically 
England. Uh, so they probably have rugby, right? Like, I mean, they at least have cricket. I don't know, fox hunting. I don't. <laughs> what? Fox hunting's a thing. That's just so. Yeah. I know it's a. I know it's a thing, but that's such a random thing to have. I feel like rugby one hundred percent. Yeah. Well, all right. Because fox what? hunting, what's like, are you, guns just got introduced? You could do with bows. Yeah, you yeah. could do with uh, bows. No, fox hunting true. is traditionally done with hounds. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's kind of a rich person sport, from what I understand. It is it a rich is a, person sport. Uh, horrifically barbaric sport, even compared to American football. Yeah. Although this is very off track, but uh, our Twitter account is weirdly popular with um, European football fans. Really? Don't know why. That's funny. Just, they they like a lot of the tweets. It's very odd. That's fun. Um, maybe they're just supportive. Uh, like, oh, uh, yes, these people are a brand of weird. European football sounds great in comparison to, you know. American For football. all I know, it's literally just a, you guys are putting yourselves out there. I respect that. <laughs> and that's fine. That's cute. Um, but as far as sports go, like, I'm not in the slightest a sports person. Me either. I don't think any of us are. No. I don't think we are. Actually, I take that back. I'm a sports person, but only performance sports. So that's totally different in my mind. I get involved with baseball only when one specific team is playing maybe two and i used to get involved in american football if you say yankees or mets i'm gonna slap no you. it's cardinals and, uh, na- yeah, and nationals because nationals yeah. that's the way to go yeah it's those two um but anyway i guess i am a sport a sport ball man but person I, but i don't follow it it's literally just like eh, yeah, these guys okay. are playing i'll look i guess i'll watch this <laughs> I like watching uh, ice skating competitions sometimes, but mainly just because I think they look pretty. Oh, they 100% are. Well, if we're, yeah. talking Oli- do... if we're talking Olympics, then curling is awesome. Yeah, I will watch the Olympics sometimes because I'm just like, you're a robot. That is an insane thing that you have just done. Well, I feel like Olympics is very different in comparison to your regular sports because that is the oh, yeah. best of the best in any field and so it's really cool to see that but if you're just watching like i i hate sports for like i do not like american sports and y'all on the feed or whatever can hate me but i worked at for too many fucking years and all day long it was nothing but talk shows about such and such game or all, all these i know a bunch of players and teams and all of it was stupid a lot of it was rigged um, and so I was just kind of like, well, this is very boring. I don't know why anybody watches this crap. Well, a lot of it is like commercials light, which is my big problem is that like, yeah, yeah. Anyway. I mean, that was half the reason I watched the Super Bowls, the commercials. I do have a question here. It's like, if, cause we've established newspapers are common mm-hmm. at the very least in Thar. Um, if there was a sport, and this could be either a uh, real-world analog or some ridiculous fantasy bullshit, what sport do you think each of your characters would uh, read about and like pick up the paper just to read how the game went? 
Uh, let's Abby. What if Flint was into any sport? Jesus what do you Christ. think that they would be interested in? For some reason, I imagine Flint's weirdly into um, into soccer, or actually like competitive cheerleading or something like that. Because it's just like as a per like Flint's heavily based on me myself, and uh, like soccer looks fun. I enjoy the fact that you know they're kicking the ball so far and all doing all these crazy stunts without their hands. And then uh, cheerleading, I am a little afraid of cheerleaders, honestly. Like, some of the shit they do, I'm like, that is not normal. W- what are you doing? How are you not dead? They, they have a power that none of us can fathom. Yeah, and uh, they, I, I respect the work they do. I am just incredibly intimidated by it. <laughs> so Flint would be like me. He'd be incre- incredibly intimidated by just that. But he'd be he'd follow up because holy shit it's great i think the term you're looking for is scare arousal yes it's scare arousal <laughs> <laughs> um trying to think uh <laughs> i hate sports so much as a person <laughs> that this question well, i mean is there some me. kind of like weird whimsical sport you think like uh, we established in Hunter's game that um, giant snail racing is like a big important sport. I feel um, like if there was anything like Color Guard, where they're th- throwing fucking swords around and like stuff like that, she'd be into that. I think Margo would be super into fencing. I was about to say that a little bit ago. I could see her being into fencing, but I could also see her into like throwing around if. If it was swords being thrown around really pretty, she'd be into that too, like 100%. If it was like sabers being thrown around or whatever. But I could definitely yeah. see her being really into fencing, especially now that she's a Kensai and not a Ronin. Um, mm-hmm. Since it's a more disciplined thing, I could see her very much when she was Ronin being like, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. I... Um, but now I could see that. I did have this thought in my head that maybe Flint... Um... Like, if baseball existed on Ildar, Flint would be super into baseball because it's all numbers. Oh, Jesus. Honestly, he probably would because, um, Matt, uh, Flint, like, what am I saying, Matt? Who the fuck is Matt? Uh, Flint. (laughs) I've been reading, uh, I've been reading a Voltron fan fiction and one of the characters is, uh, Matt, someone's, someone's brother. Anyways, uh. Anyways, Flint is uh, into numbers. He likes keeping track of all that shit. So, uh, yeah, he'd be into it. I am personally not interested in it because I'm like, ah, yes, they hit the ball. That went really high. What the fuck? Wait, why are you running? I don't understand. Oh, God, yeah. That shit rocked me just because, like, there are moments on this podcast, in this episode, where we sound like pretty cool people. And then you say, I was reading a Voltron fan fiction. We gotta listen, humanize ourselves. I am not cool. <laughs> I want, like, listen, I am You gotta remember we're fucking nerds. And then I have an asthma attack laughing so hard, and I have to get my inhaler. Yeah, because I just said something so overwhelmingly nerdy, I almost killed Eli. Oh, Eli. Oh, boy. Well, whenever you've oh, recovered... Boy. Well, jeez. <laughs> uh, I hope 
just feel bad when I do this, but at the same time, it's like, ah, oh, yes, I succeeded. I made him laugh so hard, he, start, he started coughing. At the same time, I feel super guilty. Because I'm like, oh, God, please don't die. Oh, shit. You're my friend. I don't want you Did to die. Did you leave that at my house? I might have. Oh, no. I saw it down... Oh, yeah. I... I think I saw it downstairs. Oh, uh, that's going to be great. I'm so sorry. Um, I think it's downstairs. <laughs> I'm not 100%. I'll go down and look later. It'll be fine. I really hope it's not, though. You you hope it's not fine? I hope... No, 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 no. I hope <laughs> it's not here. And I hope you it's at your place. Bitch. You vicious asshole. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> yes. Throw it back at you. Um, Robart Sport, to get back on topic, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> would be uh, construct boxing. Oh, but... yeah, there would definitely be construct boxing. Well, I mean, boxing itself obviously exists, But, like, right? it's better when it's when it's robots, because you don't have to worry about people getting concussions. I feel like Rovarth was watching regular boxing, and, like, uh, um, Woyden, or, yeah, he, like, took Woyden to a regular boxing match, and Woyden very offhandedly was like, Oh, yeah, I remember this. I knew a guy who used to do this. He got hit in the head so hard his brain turned to soup and he died in the alleyway. My buddy took his money and we managed to get dinner out of it. Oh, and then Robert's Robert's like, this is like, not okay. I don't like this sport anymore. Thankfully, uh, we're going to rip off real steel and have robot boxing. I mean, honestly, as things progress, mechanations will get cheaper. So, like, little tiny mechanations just punching each other. Rovarth just watches the Yildar equivalent of Robot Wars or whatever it's called. I imagine Rovarth, <laughs> like, the second somebody is like, oh, hey, here's this thing, and it's just tiny mechanations controlled with, like, a stone or something, like, mentally controlled with a stone. Oh my God. And Rovarth just starts taking levels in Alchemist and making one. <laughs> no, I get Flint to build one for me. Yeah, you get Flint to build one for you. You know those little race cars? I could imagine Rovarth really liking those. Yeah. Like with, I mean, but instead of like having like the remote control, just like what you were talking about, like mentally being able to control it, make it go fast. I could actually, I could actually really see Rovarth being super into like pine box derby stuff. Oh my god, that would be so funny! Sitting there, you know, making his little, (laughs) his little car. That's so cute. It'd be amazing. I I love that idea so much. I want to ask you guys: What was the most? We have all gotten very emotional over the course of this podcast um what do you think is the moment that hurt the most that like hit you in your feelings the most you bitch i mean i have my answer what was yours i'm just waiting to see if anybody else has theirs go ahead uh when you killed my mentor you asshole or made me kill my mentor I literally had tears forming in the corner of my eyes and like I felt like that pit in my stomach and I was like, oh no, this is genuine emotion. Like that is the closest you've gotten to have me like legitimately break into tears. I I told um, Celine 
plays Mirror Vision in the uh, Variants show. And I was telling them and their partner about that moment. And their response was basically, you're a monster. How dare you? <laughs> what What did it for me was that I... <sighs> As a player, I'm one of those people that likes to try and anticipate what's coming up in the story because I feel like that's fun. Um, so I had an idea of what you were doing because I know you well enough, but I didn't know when, where, or how it was going to happen. And then the dice just kept... The dice like to tell a story. I'll, I'll say that a million times over, not just in this game, but whenever you do a TTRPG game, the dice tell a story. Um... But, like, the dice kept making us fail and fail and fail, and I kept grasping at straws, and finally I was like, what can I do to stop this? And it's like, you could sacrifice this character, and I'm like, damn it, that's what he would do. <sighs> and I'll be honest, I had plans for, like, if you stop them early or if you manage to close, like... If it got to the point where it's like, you guys don't have these resources, then I'll do this. Um, but if you man, like there were, there were things that if they had, if you guys had rolled a little bit better or the bad guys had rolled a little bit worse, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Um, so it is very much what you're saying where the dice tell their own story. Yeah. Sven, Sven's death definitely is is if it's not the number one for me, uh, it's definitely the most memorable for me. Hopey, please so. don't step on the keyboard. Uh, Hopey's crawling on the laptop because it's warm and she wants to be close to her mother. Someone, I think people could, could argue that uh, Hope and Tootie are the fifth and sixth members. I didn't bring him up here and he's pissed. He protested the whole time. I, when I was walking up here, he was screaming at me. And I was just like, my dude, I want to eat my food. I don't want to have to carry you up here too right now. <laughs> but he was like, he's going to be salty when I go downstairs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they really yeah. are the fifth and sixth. I mean, Tootie is there all the time when I'm editing, listening to all of you guys. And... For context, Tootie is uh, Ashley's bird. Yes, I'm, I've posted him to the page a couple times mm -hmm. and has said that he is the co-editor. But if you don't follow the page, then you haven't seen my beautiful son or one of my beautiful sons because I have two beautiful guinea pigs, too. But um, my darling boys, my darling boys, um, Eli tries to say that Tootie loves him more. He does. He doesn't. He loves me. Anyways, we'll compete for his, we'll compete for his affection forever. I don't have to um, compete. You guys had the duel at first light. <laughs> uh, but when the bird has met, um, and I didn't even think about this, but Jason, when you came by, because I finally got to meet Jason for the first time a couple weeks ago. Yay! Because um, we, because of COVID, we couldn't, you know, meet up and stuff. But it's starting to get a little better. But um, my bird and Eli didn't point this out until the other day but he was looking at jason much like he has looked at abby as well as eli when they've come over very questioningly like i don't understand i have heard your voice but you're a person 
<laughs> I thought you came from a box. <laughs> Uh, so yes, Hope and Chudy are definitely our fifth and sixth cast members. Abby, what do you think was the the moment that uh, uh, made you tear up the most? Oh God! Um, honest, unfortunately for me, this is very easy. It's when uh, Margot technically died, and I had to bring her back. Yeah, that was my honorable mention. I that was a, a very moment. intense moment for me it's like because uh flint almost died margo margo definitely died then uh like i was out of spell slots and i was like no he would try he would push himself and try and like the entire time i was doing that i'm surprised uh like i was crying i'm surprised like i could actually make words then um after that would honestly be like I know I wasn't part of that fight, but when uh, Roberth was killed by Arno, because uh, I was crying a little during that because I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no. Oh god. I was very I was very upset accepting of that. I'm like, yep, this is what happens because I knew what was going to happen if I did that, but Roberth just. I remember introducing Arno purely because I was like, oh, you know, this they're basically fighting an evil adventuring party. I, they need a third member. Oh my god, it would be so funny if it was the Hobgoblin that Rovarth killed in the very first adventure. That was the moment my... We haven't really been using alignment very much, but I've been kind of loosey-goosey keeping track of it. That was the moment that like Rovarth went from I'm going to do whatever it takes to get the job done to oh no my actions have consequences I mean uh, um, I intended Flint as chaotic neutral but uh, I as a person in very much good aligned so yeah Flint was in my mind chaotic good for most of this if not all of it oh yeah definitely I've officially changed his alignment to chaotic good, but uh, back to our emotional moments. Uh, Ashley. Oh, you're so rude. I was hoping I'd yeah, forgotten. Yeah, I know for a fact I have made Ashley cry a lot. I That's why it's just like, because um, there are some minor moments that like made me cry a whole bunch, and I don't remember what they were. Like I've cried so much during this podcast. I just tend to pull my face away because it is gross when I cry. <laughs> So I know that I cried a lot when Margot was killed. That upset me greatly. Um, mostly because we went, like, I remember being like, but I'm hurt. I should probably heal up first. And it was like, no, we have to go through this mansion. I was like, oh, okay. And then I the feel... building blew up and I was like, oh, God. <laughs> I still feel guilty for causing that by not thinking, but... You I know. mean, it was something and that Rovarth would have done, not though. Wise, so it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that was something Rovarth would have done. So it, you know what I mean? It's it, it all adds up. But I cried so much when that happens, and then, um, obviously, I cried a ton when, uh, that letter from Margot's dad. That was. That was rough. That was intense, um, yeah. That was really intense, and so that one I definitely cried. 
there were other moments. I just cannot remember what they were because there's so many of them. But those two, I can remember like off the top of my head because they directly, you know, correlated with my character in some pretty heavy ways. So definitely those two moments. I think the closest I came to tearing up was Flint getting to meet his dad. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I cried a lot oh, then God. too. Oh god, I definitely bunch. cried during that. It's just like um honestly the one where it genuinely shook me and I was uh, uh I was kind of off kilter for the rest of the night was when Margot died, but uh that left me with tears, but happy tears. I I also enjoyed a, a fun behind the scenes thing was that um when you guys had your little mini adventures um right before this one I I had expected to do all of that in one episode. Hmm. Um, and then the Margot and Rovarth stuff took up the whole episode. And I was like, oh my god, I don't think I have enough with Flint to do an episode. Okay, well, where can I cut this other thing? And then the thing with Flint and Flint's mom just naturally was like oh shit we're at an hour 15 <laughs> yeah yeah like uh honestly like it's one of those things where i was kind of glad that flint ended up with his own episodes because it's like uh here's the thing in situations like that i get wordy i know my i know myself i knew i was gonna talk because i am a nervous talker and so is flint a little bit so like uh honestly that situation felt very natural it felt very natural for um them to just kind of talk like that um that was a another close like parental interactions are a real emotional trigger for me like the the waterworks of like wholesome parental interactions um so that was another one where i was like oh man i am really feeling this npc I it, I ooh, I can't I can't go back to this character too much. <laughs> uh. Yeah, on it honestly, like I also think it kind of help. It shows the juxtaposition between uh, Flynn's actual parents versus uh, Elric, who uh, had unfortunately had father, who had like fatherhood foisted upon him unwillingly, versus Flynn's parents, who very clearly wanted him, but just fate made it so it didn't happen. Yeah, I really. I had decided early on that Flint's dad was dead and his mom had been pressured by her family into giving him up. Yeah, um, and like, uh, I like that uh, I left my backstory open enough for you to be able to do that because in uh, Flint's head, his parents were dead. He was just another orphan on the streets when he got picked up by the circus and dumped on Elric. Yeah, and that's a totally reasonable thought for Flint to have. I mean, it is fun because now Flint's a half-elf elf and also the heir to this massive fortune. <laughs> oh god, he is not interested in being um, a- an heir to anything, really. Build an orphanage. Yeah, we've dabbled in politics. He doesn't fucking like politics. Also, <laughs> he's uncomfortable being with that much money. Build an orphanage. Oh yeah, definitely. There we go. We should encourage uh, Claire to open an orphanage. Something I'm curious about, 
you know, we've only got 10, maybe 15 episodes left, so we're really not going to have the time to explore further into these characters. Um, was there anything you guys wanted to do with your characters that you didn't have the opportunity or, you know, the, it just wasn't right for the story, like any anything like that? Um, when, I don't remember how far along it was, but it was, it was a good way through the series. I was like, and it was after the Sven's thing, uh, I realized that I, I wanted to have, it was when we were having the backstory conversation uh, in our private chat. Um, I was wanting to explore that a little bit more with Rovarth as far as, because, because I wrote a very generalized idea of what Rovarth did after the war, but not so much what he did during the war that gave him his this pact with uh, his patron and all that. So that's... I kind of wanted to explore that a little bit more, but I don't feel like with the pacing we were at at the time and where we're at now that that would really fit nicely in there like at all. Because we already got that sort of... Uh, vibe from Sven and things. So that's really the only thing I wanted to do is expand further on Rovarth's relationship with Sven and why Sven specifically is so important to Rovarth. It would be kind of cool to do a game set during uh, the Great War. Like maybe not play Rovarth and everything, but that would be an interesting um, setting to delve into. It was like my my idea is that Sven is the character. I, I agree with you on that one, by the way. My my idea is that Sven as a character is the guy that saved Rovarth from his own uh, inner kind of evils because war changes people. You know, some people it makes them quite honestly heroes. Other people it turns them into horrible, horrible monsters. And Rovarth was sliding down that path. And I feel like in my headcanon that Sven is the character that saved Rovarth from that and made Rovarth into a hero that's actually like trying to do right by the world by being a part of this adventuring party. Yeah, that was that, that was actually really close to what I had in my head um, was that Sven saw a kid who who also had had grown up in a time of war, um, but had become a warrior, you know, a soldier at a much younger age than Sven was when he became a soldier, and not and and wanting to do his best to keep this kid from thinking that life is war. Was there anything with Flint that you? wanted to get to that we didn't that you that we didn't get to do honestly not really we've we've gotten we've gotten a lot into flint's backstory more than i was honestly expecting to then uh honestly like um i'm glad we don't because um honestly at this point like uh if flint wanted to go back and try to find anyone else from from uh, the circus he'd he probably don't doesn't want to anymore because Elric is Elric, and there's that whole sh- shabacle. Then uh, Vanya is uh, an asshole. 
<laughs> then uh, he's pretty sure everyone else is definitely dead. Then, uh, sorry about that. Hope keeps trying to climb on top of the laptop and keep typing things. And I'm afraid she's going to break something. <laughs> she's angry at me right now. Yeah, we're, getting, we're getting slashes in our, uh, in our chat. Yeah, we, we keep getting these little messages in the chat. It is, uh, well, before I get into that, um, Ashley, was there anything with Margot that, or anything you wanted to explore about Margot that we didn't really get to? Or, or I guess we could switch the question around and be like, was there anything about the world of Ildar that you were kind of hoping we would explore a bit more in this game that we didn't. I don't really know. Uh, like, I feel like we explored her backstory uh, and I liked how that turned out with her dad. Um, so now she has a last name. Um and the world has been really cool. Like, I don't know what part I would want to see. I was really excited to go to Effion's temple uh, or whatever that, I guess it was her temple. That was so dope. I was so excited. So honestly, like, I'm not sure. I'm sure we're going to get into some really dope stuff now that we're going towards the end. So uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I honestly would have liked to see more like, um, like when we were on a noon, I think I would have liked to see kind of like uh, some of the ruins of uh, Igria, except I think you said there was like the it was a necropolis where everyone where everyone died. I I had originally I had a a plan for you guys to go there in this game, and very early on I realized that it just there wasn't any good reason for it. Like I there, it just didn't. It, it would have been a little, um, uh, uh, it would have been too much for this game. Like, uh, I agree with that. Honestly, like, um, with the, with the kind of the, the, like the tone we've set so far, I don't feel, I feel like it would have been very ham-fisted for us to go there. So as much as I would like to kind of explore that, because, uh, the whole idea, the, like the whole concept of uh i agree and just like uh that whole that whole thing i'm interested in that as a character as a you know a person but at the same time it's like i don't think it it would um i don't think i would uh, enjoy the tone so much with uh, our characters having to go there in the future i definitely do want to explore more of the countries that were um because there are a few countries on the continent of anun that were created that, that are only like 20 years old. Oh, I thought of um, something when you're done. So just oh, I was just going to say, like, I I would really like to come back to this setting and explore Onun more and these war-torn countries a bit more. Um, or at least, I, I think when we go back, they will be less war-torn and more um, just more evidence of the great war like the countries you guys have mostly been exploring now were very separated from that because it was it's a different continent um and i i do think if we go back i would really like to play around in that playground a bit more and i think it would be interesting to also do that with characters that you know aren't uh you know like their lives weren't so impacted by it 
Because you have to figure Some like characters uh, who are a little bit more separated from it. Yeah, because if if we go back to it, I'd like to go there instead of like thirty years after the Great War, maybe like a hundred and fifty years later. So there's still plenty. Like it is very reasonable if you played an elf to have been alive during the Great War and to have been alive during Reconstruction. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have a connection to what was going on. What were you saying, Ashley? I really wanted to explore, I don't remember what island you were talking about, but there's something about Beast Folk, and I think it would be super dope to have gone there. It doesn't make sense for the story, but it would be really cool. I don't remember. I think I know what you're talking about, but um, yeah, yeah, it, it wouldn't have, in a less structured game, I think we definitely could do that. Yeah, I knew for this one it wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to do that, but that is something I'm super interested in exploring at some point because I think it would be really cool because I love playing Beast Folk characters so much. I'd love to like explore their origins a little bit more, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that would be really, really cool. Um, and and weirdly, I kind of would like to see like. And we can't do this for Margot at all at this point, but I would like to see eventually um, if she finds out what her real parent or where her real parents just at least hailed from Um, because she's not going to want to know who they are necessarily. But I think she would kind of like have maybe a want to know at some point. But right now she's just happy with her, you know, her dad. Um, but that was something I had thought about at some point for her. But I, given who she is as a character, I just kind of felt like she wasn't as worried about that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I. It is interesting um, because you guys found the crystal person and that was supposed to be just a little like, ha ha ha. Because I, I have plans for the future of this setting and the crystal people play into that. Um, but I wasn't prepared for Jerry's thing and then being like, um, okay, well, they're awake now. Yep. They (laughs) talk to them. They're a million years old. Um, (laughs) honestly, I found that just really flipping cool. (laughs) It was cool for me because it ended up, I had never... I didn't want to go into detail on where the beast folk came from. I I was like, I want to leave this open for other GMs to do their own thing with. And the having that guy and just I, I in the improv moment saying, Oh yeah, the savage people, they went and they bonded with the spirits in the forest and the, the fields and the sea. And it's like, okay, well, that that's where Beast Folk came from, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Jason, was there um, a part of the world you wish we could have um, explored more? Um, nothing specific, and and it definitely wouldn't have worked with Rovarth's character. But the more of the idea of the the seedy underbelly. With the Barbello family and God knows what other crime families that are involved, like that would be really cool to do one day. Is just like a like a D and D like 
organized crime game. <laughs> I think... See, I, I don't think D&D as a system lends itself well to that, just like I don't think D&D as a system lends itself well to, like, um, eldritch horror kind of stuff. Yeah, you have to kind of flex things with that a little it bit. It would be a lot of reworking, but what I think I would do if I were to run that is I would use the fate system instead. Because um, you can build whatever kind of character you want using fate, and then... It's also pretty easy to just be like, nah, here's these dangerous, you know, fate. It's very easy to be like, oh, this random dude with a knife is dangerous no matter how powerful you are. I just think um, it would be neat exploring more of the dynamic, the power dynamic between that. Yeah, I I think Soul could be a really good political intrigue game if that's what you wanted to do. Uh, I'm very bad at running political intrigue games. I have no interest in a campaign like that, honestly. <laughs> well, I was I was more thinking like, um, almost like a Mission Impossible or like a heist movie type thing. Yeah, oh, that's man. more as that's a more where as I was a going. like one shot. We could do that all day. Uh, I think like some level three characters. All with shady backgrounds. Oh yeah, we could we could make some real shit out of that. Um, what? Uh, um, have you had any surprises about the the story we've been telling from beginning to where we are now? So um, many. <laughs> yeah, I can't name them all. There were so many. I honestly can say I was never expecting us to, you know, go to the Blightwood or, um, or you know, even land in Onoon at all. I was kind of expecting this game to stay kind of on Ghidor, so uh, it was like, oh, hey, this is what we're doing now. <laughs> then uh, the whole thing with the UN Empire, just wow. Yeah, same. Like, for me, it, it was really the whole thing with... I mean, having the random the random NPC that I murder hoboed in like the first what <laughs> three episodes, if that. I think <laughs> it was episode three. I think it was episode three. Yeah, come back as as like my nemesis for a little bit. That was crazy. <laughs> um, I mean, and this wasn't. I don't think necessarily anything you had planned specifically, but we keep picking up orphans. I love it so much. I knew if Sven died, I was going to have you guys adopt Hilda. Well, Hilda's one thing, but it's like... And that was the start. <laughs> <laughs> then it just went all downhill. I, I think the biggest, the biggest surprises that keep hitting me, and I don't know why they are, because they're like so... In hindsight, they're so minor, but in the, in the moment, they have a great deal of impact for me. Is all of the fucking cursed items? <laughs> oh yeah, that fucking Honestly, cursed doll. Cursed doll, <laughs> cursed Jack in the Box, um, cursed uh, figurine. Uh, there's the, more, uh, but <laughs> the the bird skull with the nail in it that just made Sergeant Wen look like a zombie. Yeah. I fucking love that we keep picking up curse items. I love that she was like, this 
like she just came up to Robarth and was like, "What the fuck?" She knows me. <laughs> she knows me so well. <laughs> it was so amazing. And then the like, um, oh god, this also got me. The aliens. I was convinced that it was that it was. Um, what do they call it? Willow wisps. I was convinced that's what you were describing. <laughs> Until it's like, oh no, they're aliens. I was so excited to introduce them because I had had them on every single random encounter table until that point. And like, I got to take off of that concept in like a little bit in uh, Rawls. Unfortunately, Rawl and Doc aren't interested in pursuing that avenue. (laughs) No, Uh, we are not investigative people. But if you are a listener, know for a fact. that one of the characters I've introduced is a hundred percent an alien sent to investigate what happened to that survey team, <laughs> and, and 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 just got like caught up in the local politics while doing that. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll tell you guys later, but I'm keeping that a secret for our listeners. I also didn't like. I knew that their motivation was to observe or abduct you like if they were spotted abduct you guys and i was like what the fuck am i gonna do if they actually succeed (laughs) like i it never occurred to me that they would succeed and looking back i'm like you fucking idiot what what would you have done take rovarth's spleen and then put us all back (laughs) yeah like just have you guys wake up two days later which would have been funny but there's no way you guys wouldn't have like made that a plot point to try and figure out how to get your memories back accurate Mm Hmm. would have had travel to space that's travel to space and fight an alien I don't think Eli would let us do that. As someone that's working on something similar right now, I don't I, think that would happen. In a more freeform game, um, where I didn't already have the end of it in mind, I would be down. I'd be like, okay, I guess this is a space game now. <laughs> um, I would have made it, I would have figured it out. Um... But it was it. I I love getting to do dumb little things to you guys. Oh, the Forever Bear was cool. The Forever I Bear. Fucking That's the Forever one Bear. One of my favorites is the Forever Bear. Because like I, I remember that character from other games we played briefly, <laughs> and then meeting him like, you've done it again, Eli. You've done it because it's one of those themes you like to repeat. Yeah, I. I think Abby and Jason are definitely more familiar with it, um, but if anybody's listening that know me personally, there are a lot of themes that I just love to revisit that are just super fun for me. Um, giant animals, uh, the Forever Bear, uh, which the Forever Bear is actually a reference to a superhero character I played who was okay. a magic bear mm-hmm. from 40,000 years ago who had gone to sleep just to take a nap and slept too long and woke up in the 21st century. And it was, he was super fun because he had um, shape changing, uh, 
but the only thing he could turn into was a very large human. So everybody just thought he was a human who turned into a bear, when in reality, he was a bear that turned into a human. Oh, that's funny. Uh, and that I was just playing generic super fun. soldier man who got lost on this planet. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm excited to end this game because I'm really excited to see how we end it. You know, what happens? What do we do? Because um, we've talked about like, oh, well, what, what are the characters going to be up to when this adventure, this whole campaign is over? And it's like, there's genuinely not a guarantee that, you know, like there's not a guarantee that, say, Flint is going to survive the end. Well, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop Listen, it. I um, want to survive, but the way Vanya keeps attacking me, yeah, that's a... Uh, <laughs> we got close that time. We got close. Uh, no, he's been close twice already. Like, I don't I... like it because... Um, because uh, I get better every time. <laughs> yeah. I was so happy that I remembered that Vanya had that potion of gaseous form that I gave him specifically for escape purposes because he had used up all his spell slots trying to kill Flint. Yeah, we were close. And now Eli knows that I can see through all of his illusions. (laughs) That was so fucking funny. I'm so mad at myself because when I, my initial plan when we were on that train before I fucking forgot it was I was going to break that coat. Because I have the disenchantment breakthrough and I have not used it yet and I'm so angry at myself. It's so funny because his coat is basically just a like it it is basically just a cloak of protection that has a bag of holding sewn into it. I mean that's still like major though. I mean depending on how yeah. you use it. Yeah, no, I mean it, it could have still like you're still looking at dropping all of his saves and his armor class by one. Yeah. You know, and it's then like, all his shit falls it, on the floor. It's definitely not a uh it's sorry. Then all his shit falls on the floor. And you, well, it would be either disenchanting the coat or the bag of holding. Oh, never mind. I like understand Like, the bag now. of holding is literally just sewn into the coat. <laughs> All I, I know now. is I was so proud of myself for remembering that I actually am observant as a Like, my character's actually observant. And I, like, stopped him and was like, okay, what do these people look like? Or do they look like they have any, like, weapons on them and stuff? It was, I just was real proud of myself for that. I am waiting for the opportunity to fight that man on an open enough battlefield that I can go ham. Because I haven't been able to do that yet. I, I was really horrified by the kind of damage that Margot deals. Oh, yeah. Margot is t- scary. I... Before so before that that this setting goes anywhere, um, I am definitely editing that to be one your first, you know the the first hit. But I thought that's what I was doing. Oh no, that's right. That's all it says anyway. But, but it was still just like Jesus Christ. That's yeah. so much damage. Yeah. But it's it's in reality it's not because. At your level, a uh, rogue would be doing so much more fucking damage. Really? More than my character? Oh, yeah. Rogues, Rogues do some crazy. crazy damage. You'd be looking at like 66 sneak attack damage yeah. at this level. 
What the fuck? That's and the only thing you need for sneak attack damage is to have an ally right next to you. Yeah. That is amazing. I or love advantage, that so much. But they both work. Yeah, or advantage of some kind. Honestly, or I would like to play a crazy... rogue because rogues are fun, but at the same time, we don't... Mm. You could be a crazy swashbuckler man and just automatically, or an inquisitive. Oh, that's even God. more crazy, but anyway. Um, yeah, I think... Honestly, I I think I could come up with things for us to talk about forever, but we've probably reached the limit. It's about an hour and 46 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we've been talking for about two hours as of this uh, recording. We'll probably get cut down to a little bit less than that. Um, You guys want to plug some stuff? Sure. Um, uh... So I have a Twitter and Instagram and a TikTok, all are elvenly underscore e. I occasionally post art. I mainly scream into the void about things Eli throws at us and uh, other things I'm passionate about. So follow me if you want to see me scream into the void. Oh, yes, me. <sighs> Threw me off for a second. Uh, I have a YouTube channel that is Aerosol Prime, E-R-A-S-Y-L space P-R-I-M-E, which I will be getting back to at some point and should have by the time this airs. I'm Ashley. You can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter under AmCosplayClean. Occasionally posting art when I have the opportunity. Um, Some pictures of my animals occasionally and cosplay things. So that's that's what I'm doing on those platforms if you want to check those out. And I have been Eli Royal. You can find me Royal Arts and Props, blah, 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 blah. Doesn't matter. You can find Jay Booth, who is our sound engineer for a lot of our episodes um, and a lot of our episodes going forward. And actually, I've played some of my best games with Jay Booth. Uh, You can find him on the Ludiverse podcast, the Asundered World podcast, and online at Big Daddy Dice. And I definitely want to shout out Eric. Uh, Eric Hudgens, who A, was a immense help in writing this world setting. Um, and balancing all the classes and the races. And it's also important because I think a lot of our listeners are new in the sense that uh, Prismatic Guard is probably where they started. Um, and Eric created We Play RPGs. Um, like, Jesus, 2013, I think. And we did that for a long time. We played that game for a long time. Um, a lot of different games, a lot of different characters. And then, you know, life got in the way and Eric couldn't, uh, do it anymore and it's before i restarted replay rpgs i asked eric is this okay you know i was like i i wanted to make sure that this this was something he would be okay with that it wouldn't bother him you know that i wasn't taking this away from him um and we should have some stuff with Eric involved out by the time this drops. Um, 
And that is an effort on my part to make sure that everyone understands that our shows, our network would not exist without Eric. Um, and that's just important for me that everybody knows. And uh, that's enough being sincere for me because my soul is dying. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this part of our tale, Traveler. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever fine pods are cast. You can find us online at WePlayRPGs.com, on Facebook and Twitter at WePlayRPGs, and on Patreon at WePlayRPGs Podcast. Your patronage is what keeps this podcast alive.